0: Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. I know some of you are disappointed already at this point. You you say, Well, man, I don't think Pastor Steve's gonna be preaching today. I'm sorry to say he's not, but I'm sure he's watching online, so we're so glad that you guys are with us. Pastor Steve is checking us out. Him and Greg, uh, Pastor Greg went to a wedding, and so they've been with family all week, and so we're just happy that they're there. He's going to be back next week, finishing up this series over the next week or so on the gospel-shaped family. We've been talking about family values. We've been talking about God's design for the family and how the family is really a picture of our relationship with God. It's our picture of this Christian walk, this family, this God the Father, and our role as sons and daughters in his house. I want to turn your attention to the scripture today, Romans chapter 8. We're going to be looking at verse 14 through 18. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, so if you don't have a Bible with you or a smartphone, you can actually read on the screens with us. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through 18. Bible says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Everybody say adoption. I'm going to make you work today. The spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The next screen there says, the Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children... Then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Amen. I love this scripture and I want to preach to you a message today. I have entitled, Where is your father? Where is your Father. Let's pray together. Father, one more time, we just come in prayer. We ask that you bless this word that as we're receiving and we're 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 asking that you, Holy Spirit, would speak to us. Uh, use me, God, just clay, a vessel, somebody who's flawed and makes mistakes, God, but you would use me, God, to speak these words, be true to your word, rightly divided, God, so that we might see Jesus. That's our goal today. We want to see you, and we want nothing else to to, to come in, in front of that. God, I pray that you'd reveal yourself to us today. Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen. Amen. You know, I come from a small rural church in South Carolina. I was born and raised, a, you know, a third-generation pastor, and I, I just, uh, you know, I just kind of got used to a loud church. You know, we didn't really have good microphones or anything. It was just kind of people just yelling, you know. It was like just, ah! <laughs> you know, like screaming in the back and you know, kind of just open up the hymnal, and my, my dad used to say he was a part of the letter club, just open up and let her fly, you know, it's just like, there was really no rehearsal, or like, no auto-tune, you know what I'm saying, it was just like, just, just, if you could hold a tune in a bucket, you could come and sing a special, you know what I mean, so if you're in the crowd today, and you're like, okay, I hear I hear a good word, or you're like, yo, that that's 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 on point, or you're preaching good, or whatever. You can just say Amen, okay? You know, you can say that's right. You can say that's good. You can say preach it, white boy. You can say you know, come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? So you can say any of those things if you like. Uh, it's it's I'm, I'm used to a loud church. We're just having a convo here. I'm not I'm not giving you a TED talk. We're just in a moment of opening God's word together, okay? So if you if you like something, say Amen, and and we'll kind of go from there. If you don't like something, just say hey, hold it up. You know, <laughs> hold up there. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, how many of you guys actually have um, a favorite holiday? Anybody got a favorite holiday out there? I know me. You know, my favorite holiday was uh, Thanksgiving. And, you know, it's always kind of like an anticlimactic because everyone's thinking I'm going to say Christmas. I'm like, no, Thanksgiving is the best because that's when my cousins used to always come into town. And they always came from all over the country. They'd come into town. We'd play football on the street. We'd have food. Like, we had both my grandparents in the same city. So we'd have lunch Thanksgiving and dinner Thanksgiving. It was like we gained about 10 or 15 pounds in one day. It was crazy. Like, we'd eat lunch, turkey. (laughs) We had so much turkey, it was crazy. And then we'd take leftovers home. It was wild. So, you know, I just love Thanksgiving because football, fellowship, family, food. I mean, it's just like, you know, I mean, no games. And, but I bet if we took a survey in here, right, we'd probably see about 80 to 90 percent of people would say their favorite holiday is Christmas, right? Yeah, because Christmas is just, it's just a fun time of year. You know, it's the, It's the best time of the year, most wonderful time of the year. And there's all the the things that come along with the Christmas season, you know. But really, it's not just about candy canes and lollipops and, you know, gumdrops. It's really about the birth of Jesus, right? And we all know that. And he's the gift that God gave us. He he gave his one and only son. It's it's the gift of eternal life. And so we understand that. But really what happens at Christmas is that kids love to get... (laughs) presents they love to get gifts you know like that's why you fall in love with christmas from the get-go it's like i'm gonna get a new toy or i'm gonna get a new you know like a car or whatever (laughs) like a new car um you get all of these things sorry these are like old references the price is right but um you have like these opportunities just to get new gifts and you love getting new gifts everybody loves to get gifts i mean even if you're not a good gift giver you love to get gifts and so i remember when i was a kid i was probably in the fourth or fifth grade and my dad got us this massive gift, like, and my brother, we kind of always were like paired up, so he's like two years older than me, and he's always like, okay, Ben and Phillip's gift. I'm like, man, how come I can't buy my own, you know what I'm saying? And so it's like, like twins will know what I'm talking about, you know? And so like, it's like this massive box. It's probably six feet tall, like seriously, this massive box, and I'm like, man, we got this massive gift. It's wrapped up too, okay? It's got like wrapping paper. I'm like, man, I can't wait to unwrap this gift. Oh, it's going to be good. We unwrap this gift. We're just, like, shredding paper. And, like, I'm, like, trying to jump on top to, like, get it open. And we re- we open the first box, and we find out there's another box <laughs> inside. I'm like, oh, man, this is crazy. I thought we were getting, like, a, you know, a, I don't know, a truck or something, like some type of, like, toy truck. So we keep opening up, and we get through the wrapping paper. There's, like, bubble wrap. And all of a sudden, there's, like, we go through about two or three boxes. I'm like, man, what is going on here? This is crazy. I'm like, man, what's happening? And I find this, like, little Charlotte Hornet's, like, you know, basketball goal for like your your door you know you hang on the door and it's like a little small ball i'm like that's it this is whack you know like i don't want this (laughs) you know i was mad i was like this is this you're playing a joke on us and it's all being recorded on vhs you know like i literally have video evidence proof of this so it's like so we get down to like the last couple boxes this is probably like seven boxes we had to go through and we get to the end it's like all this wrapping paper and it's like just like a book little small little paper book of instructions and i'm like Man, this is the worst Christmas present ever. Like, what is happening? And my brother goes, Phil, yeah, let's go. And he like hugs me. It was like an awkward moment. And he's like, and I'm like, what is happening? Like, why are you joking me? And it's just like, he's like, we got a basketball goal. And I'm like, we did? Yeah, where is it at? (laughs) And I'm like, I don't see it. It's just instructions. And he's like, no, we got a real basketball goal. And my dad was like, yeah, it's being delivered to the house right now. And I'm like, yeah, let's go. And I'm really excited about it. And in that moment, I thought I was being played trick on. You know, I'm like this massive box for a little tiny little goal you put on your door. But dad had actually planned it so it would just be a foreshadow of what we get when we get home. We couldn't play with it there at grandpa's house. But when we got home, we knew we were going to have a great basketball. And I played with that, you know, until I was 18 and left home. And it was a great blessing in our life. And that's really kind of how the Father gives us gifts. That's really how we experience the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we experience the gift of the Holy Spirit himself, how God gives us. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. He says here in Romans chapter 8 that if many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And God gives us a measure. He gives us his Holy Spirit. But he says the sufferings that you walk through are not going to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in you. So even right now, I can't give you everything that you are going to experience in heaven. Like, I can't give you perfect peace. You're going to go through trials. You're going to go through some sufferings. But guess what? When you get to heaven, it's going to be perfect peace. I know I can't always give you healed body, but when you get to heaven, you're going to have a perfectly healed body. You know, there's going to be division and there's going to be some types of of strife between one another. But when we get to heaven, we're going to be all one in unity under the blood of Jesus and it's going to be perfection it's going to be a reward it's going to be he says a glory and it's really amazing the inheritance that we have the Holy Spirit giving us inheritance on this earth and I I know some people they're like well when we all get to heaven it'll all be worked out but you know what even God now he gives us the gifts he says if you're led by the Spirit of God you'll be the sons of God and I believe even on earth Jesus says I've come to give you life and give it more abundantly God wants you to have a good life. He wants you to have a great life. He wants you to have an abundant life. And you're saying, well, I don't know. Does that mean I'm just going to be rich and you know healthy and everything's going to be perfect? That's not what he's saying. But what he's saying is that no matter what you face, you're going to live in abundance. You're going to live a life because you have my spirit. You have my presence. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to use you to do extraordinary things. He says in the book of John 14, he says you're going to do even greater things than Jesus did. He said that you're a joint heir with Christ. I want us to look at this scripture today. Uh, The last couple of weeks, we've been talking about, you know, the prodigal son. We were talking about our role as sons. And now I want us to look at our approach to the father. If we're sons of God, how do we approach our father? What are some practical tools and ways that we can experience wholeness? We can experience his spirit in our lives, working through us as we come to the father. Well, if you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. Just a couple practical handles for you. Um, I believe God has great plans for our life. And he wants to use us in the here and now. Um, Number one, as children of God, we honor the father by responding in faith. We respond in faith. Slaves are led by fear, but sons are led by faith. Bible says for all who are led by the spirit of God. Pull up that scripture again. This is verse 14. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, say adoption, come on now, as sons by whom we cry, I have a father. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You see, Pastor Steve was talking about a couple weeks ago, when the prodigal came home, the son who uh, spent everything he had on wasteful living and he was just out there whiling in the streets, he comes back home to the father and he repents. He's like, man, I, the slaves, the servants are eating better in the house than I am right now. I'm out here in these streets. I got to go home to my father. I'll just become a slave in his house. I'll just be a servant in my father's house, because that'd be, that'd, be that'd be better than what I'm going through right now. So, let me just go back. I'll tell him I'll be a servant in his house. I don't even want to be a son, right? I'm just not worthy. So, he comes back to the father. The father runs to him. They meet each other right there in the middle, and he. this is what he says. You can look this up, Luke chapter 15. He says, he says, Father, let me be like one of your servants. Let me be like one of your slaves in your house. I'm not worthy to be called your son. What does the father do? You see what he does is he says, no, you're my son. You don't have to be a slave in my house. He puts a, sandals on his feet. He puts a ring on his finger, puts a robe on his back, and he says, kill the fattened calf. We're going to have a party tonight because my son has come home. You know, and so many of us, we walk through this Christian life and we walk through life maybe walking in shame And we don't respond in faith when we come to the father because we come to him thinking, man, if I could just barely get into heaven, that's all I want. You know, like I'm just living on the edge. And if I could just if I could just have like I don't even need a mansion in heaven. You know what I'm saying? Like he says, I go to prepare a a place for you. There's my father's house. There's many rooms. There's many mansions. There's many. There's a place for you in heaven. You know, but you're like, I don't even need a mansion. Let me just sleep on the streets of gold. I'll just be homeless in heaven. You know what I'm saying? But really, that's bad theology. Right. It's this poor understanding of sonship that God doesn't have any stepchildren. He doesn't have, like, you know, any children. Uh, He doesn't have, like, servants in his house that you're not good enough to come in the house. Like, everyone who comes and is adopted by the Father is a son, and he gives you full access and full rights. That's why he says you are joint heirs with Christ. And so God is not asking that you just be a servant in the house or just a servant on the side and that you just be, you know, hey, listen, you got the scraps under the table. No, he's saying you're my son. We're going to throw a party in heaven. That's what the Bible says. It says that when one person comes to the Father, or they come back to God, or they come to the saving knowledge of Christ, that heaven is throwing a party, you know? And you see, the, really the bad theology was that this son was thinking, I'm not worthy to be called your son. But how many of you know when you're a son, you're not a son by worth at all. You're a son by birth. You were born into being a son. You know, you don't get to choose your family. Some of your family's crazy. That's your family. (laughs) That's the only family you got. But if you're adopted, now you have an opportunity to say, listen, I'm not just like a stranger in this house. I'm fully adopted. I'm fully a son. I've got all the access that I need to the things of God. I've got everything that God has given me that I need to live this life out in Christ Jesus. Amen? So many of us are walking through just wanting to get by, and God's saying, you're not a slave in my house. You're a son. Amen. And as we're walking through this life, you know, when we sp- respond in faith, that's what honors God. That's what pleases God. God's looking for faith when we come to him. He's looking for faith. We respond to God in faith. And how do we do this? You know, when you're going through things in life, maybe, maybe Mike Fitzpatrick, he's got a handful of kids. I don't know. You got six kids, bro? Seven. Good gravy. Come on. Let's pray for Mike right now. Lord Jesus. Uh, no, seriously, like seven kids. But Mike, Mike's got seven kids, and he loves to go on trips with the kids. They take trips all the time. And, and Mike will be in the, in the car, and I'm sure this has happened a few times, where they say every five minutes, like, are we there yet, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like the kids are always like, are we there yet, are we there yet, are we there yet? And it's like, hold your horses, you know, like we're going to be there. Trust me, right? And I'm sure it pleases and it makes a father happy when his children just trust, right? The children just trust, hey, listen, dad's going to take care of it. We're going to be all right. We got a flat tire, but don't worry. We're going to make it. You're saying, are we there yet? And so many of us are asking, God, are we there yet? Am I there yet, Lord? When, am, when is my time for blessing? When is it my time to get this job I've been believing for? When am I going to get married? You know, when am I going to be able to retire? When am I going to be able to have to be able to, when is it going to be my time? Are we there yet, Lord? We're always kind of sometimes asking this, and really our response it's not a bad response to ask God or request God. We'll see that in just a moment. But it's, it's the response of saying, God, I trust that you're in charge. I trust even if we take a detour, it's for my betterment, right? And I trust that we're going to get there when we get there. When we respond in faith, it really pleases God. That's why he says so many times in the scripture to wait on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord is this, this moment of saying, God, I trust you. Whatever it takes, I'm responding in faith. I believe you're going to take me to where I need to be. Our response should be, God, you're my provider. I trust you're going to work it out. I'm going to be anxious for nothing. You take care of the the grass. You take care of the birds. Surely you're going to take care of your kids, right? I mean, fathers hate when somebody says, you ain't taking care of your kids. I mean, that's just, we are not illegitimate children. God always takes care of his kids, and that's something that's going to honor God. It's disrespectful to God, literally. He's probably taken back when we don't trust him that he's going to provide. But when we trust that he's going to provide, God always comes through. He always takes care of us. It may not be how you think it should happen, but it's going to happen. Amen. Secondly, when we approach the Father, we don't just respond in faith, but we request without fear. We should request without fear. You know, children are real bold. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially little kids. Like, they have no tact, right? It's just like, why is your hair like that? Why is your fly unzipped? Your face looks funny. It's like just weird stuff. You're just like, man, like, Good, great. Who taught you to talk like that? You know, like, you have no tact. Children just, they're bold. A request without fear. Daddy, can I have some milk? Daddy, can we go? I want some cotton candy. It's like, no shame. You know what I'm saying? Like, and like, you're like, well, no, we can't do that right now. Daddy, I want it. How come? You know, it's like, we have this boldness that children, that's why he talks about, Jesus said, he says, you're not going to be able to actually enter in the kingdom of heaven unless you become like a child. You know, like, you got to have this childlike faith. It's like, God, I... I want or I need, and I believe you can do it. When we request without fear, that's when we actually have this relationship with the Father that I believe is aligned properly, where we request without saying, I don't know if God wants me to ask for that. I don't know if God can do that, right? But when we request without fear, saying, God, this is what I believe for. I believe you placed it in my heart. He loves that, and he loves to give us things that we need. You know, this is what he says. Jesus actually tells a story about he says, you know, if you have a good father, he's if you ask him for good things, he's not going to give you like a switcheroo. Like it's not gonna be like, hey, can I have some bread? And all of a sudden he's like, sure. (laughs) Here's a snake. Like, no, if you ask for bread, he gives bread. Right. And he says this is analogy. He says, if you ask for my spirit, I'll give you my spirit. And that's what he's saying is that if you're asking for things of God and you're asking for 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 God to to improve your life or to bless you, to give you favor, to give you wisdom, to give you guidance, he's going to give those things to give you peace, to give you joy. The Holy Spirit is a gift and we can't live this life without without the Holy Spirit. He says, you know, if you're led by the Spirit of God, then you're the son, the sons of God. You know, how many of you ever you've come home from college? I know for me, I used to come home from college and I wouldn't even knock on the door, wouldn't ring the doorbell. I would just walk in. You know, the doors wide open. My bed was actually still made in the house. Like, you know, my trophies from, like, peewee football was still there. And, you know, I still had my closet was there. And when I was in college and I'd come home, my parents didn't just forget about me. You know, it's like I walk in the fridge and I just open it up. You know, what's for dinner? You know, I, w- I went to school in Tennessee. So I would come home about four hours later in South Carolina to drive a long way. When I came home, I just felt like, hey, this is my house, too. You know, <laughs> even though I don't live there all the time. I know I used to do this with my mom and my grandma and grandpa. I'd go to their house, and my grandpa was blind, and my, my grandma was kind of like feeble, you know, when I was a kid. So it was like they didn't, couldn't really even get up to get to the door. So it was like you ring the doorbell, and, like, you know, they're going to be five minutes before they even get there. But sometimes they leave the door open. So I just walk right in. Grandpa, I'm here, you know. Just walk right in the door. I go to the fridge. Hey, grandma, where's the sweet tea? Well, oh, we don't have any. All right, I'm going to make some, you know. And just like the access that you have as family, as sons. Especially in the things of God. We have we have access to God's purpose. We have access to God's plan. We have access to really God Himself to pray. Prayer is not something we have to go to a certain location. We don't have to go to a certain person or a priest or a pastor to pray for us. We can just call upon the name of Jesus. We just say, Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, I I need your strength. Jesus, I'm believing for this thing in my life. Or Jesus, I'm asking for this. And and God wants to give those things. We have access to the house. We have access to the fridge. We're saying, God, I need more of your spirit. God, I need you to show up in my life. God, I need you to to do things that I've never seen before. I am believing God that you can do even above and beyond that I can ask or think. And when we pray this way, we request without fear, it pleases God. That's why he says, those that are, uh, when you're praying, he says to come boldly to the throne of grace. Hebrews, he says, come boldly to the throne of grace to find grace to help in time of need. God loves it when you just boldly come up and ask for what you need. It's real clear. It's clarity. It's saying, this is what I really want. Don't you hate when someone's asking a question? Can I ask you a question? You're like, just ask it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And sometimes with God, we have to be the same way. Sometimes we're just saying, God, can I ask you a question? He already knows what we need. If we'll actually just speak it out and say it, he's going to be there. He knows what we need already. He wants to meet those needs. Thirdly today, we respond with faith, in, in faith. We request without fear. I'm just kind of walking through these scriptures here, uh, verse by verse. We remind him to fix it. Pull up this other verse here, Monk. Is that Monk? Okay, amazing. Awesome. Monk's doing a great job here. The sufferings we go through are meant to help us lean on Jesus. Yeah, I'm past that. That's cool. I think we're going back to the scripture. Boom. I love this. Let's go to the next slide there. Awesome. For I consider that sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. You see, the sufferings we go through, the difficulties we face in this life are not because God wants us and loves to see us go through difficulty, you know? He, like, he doesn't like to see us hurt. He doesn't like to see us go and be like, ha gotcha this time. Like, this is a this is not an abusive father that we serve. God is not a father who abuses his children. He's a God who corrects us. He's a God who... Spanks us, or right? he make like, chastises My dad used to tell me, "This whooping's gonna hurt me, you, me more than it hurts you." You know, and he just whoop, and I'm like, "That's a lie." You <laughs> know, like, it's definitely gonna hurt me worse than it hurts you, Dad. But if you understand being a father, and when you have kids of your own, and you realize you have to punish or, or discipline, take something away, you realize, man, it really does hurt me when I see my son cry, or when you see your daughter cry, or someone really going through tragedy. I mean, it just, it'll just. You clench. I mean, you're, you're, you can't even hardly think straight when your baby's crying. You know what I'm saying? It's just like You're just like, oh, stop crying. Like, or you want to meet every need to get them to stop crying. It's not that God is trying to abuse us when we go through difficulties or sufferings in this life. It's so that he can draw us to himself. And sometimes the only way for us to get close to God The only way for us to experience his presence, just like with Job, when he went through sufferings and he went through trials and he went through all these difficulties, it was so that he could have a revelation of who God was, that even in spite of things or material possessions or stuff or whatever plan or vision he had for his life, that God was his source. And that's what God's trying to do with us. He says this, you know, in the scriptures with Paul, Paul had this this thorn in his flesh. It was like this tormenting him, this like pain, whatever it was, it could be. Metaphor, actual real pain. I think it was real pain. And it was this thing that he was suffering from. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. It's enough for you. And God allows us to go through difficulty and through suffering so that we cannot get attached just to the gift and the gifts that he gives, but to the giver. That we would serve him for who he is, not just because of what he can do for us. And sometimes we go through difficulties. We go through loss. You might have lose friends. You might lose a job. You might lose uh, a loved one. You might lose a lot of things in life. You might lose a lot of money. And sometimes God just has to show you, "Hey, listen, I'm still your source." <laughs> just count it as a loss and move forward, because He's going to bring something else in your business. He's going to bring it along. He's going to He's going to shift you. It's not the end, right? And so many of us go through loss. We go through difficulty. We go through suffering. It's not that God wants to take us out. He's trying to take us to himself certain things in the house are also you know dad's responsibility how many know this certain things around the house is dad's responsibility you know it's like wife says take out the trash you know she says grass needs to be cut hey the garage door is broken need you to fix it you know it's like mom doesn't want to get into you know sometimes all that stuff she's got other things she's trying to worry about and and so sometimes it's dad's responsibility right right men dad's job to fix stuff. You know, we love fixing stuff. Even if you're not a handyman. Like, I'm not really much of a handyman, but it's like, I love to fix stuff. I'm like, okay, my wife needs this fixed. I'm gonna fix it. You know, or something's broken, and you want to fix a toy for your son. So many of us, we have to understand that fixing things is what God wants to do. Jesus wants to fix stuff. He wants to be the one who does the fixing. Some of us are trying to fix it our way, right? We're trying to maneuver this situation out he hasn't answered yet we're trying to wait on God but I think I'll just maneuver it a little bit you know Moses had this problem where he God said speak to the rock he's like I don't know if that's gonna work Lord so he just hit the rock and it's like we try to work things out ourselves we're like I God I know you said to wait uh for for a wife but I think I'm just gonna go out in the streets and look for one myself you know what I'm saying like No, seriously, this is crazy, right? We're trying to, you got, I know you said I'm supposed to wait for my man, my Boaz, you know, like I need to wait for a godly man. But I think I'm still going to, you know, uh, look for him in different places that maybe you didn't intend. Right. And these are scenarios that maybe so many of us go through in life where we're trying to fix it for God. We have to understand that God wants to fix it and we have to remind him to fix it. Say, God, I need you to fix this situation in my life. There's things in my life that aren't situated right now. Maybe I've tried to, and I've overstepped my bounds, and I've tried to do your job. Lord, I want you to fix it. I want you to use your power to fix it. One time my, mom, my wife had a, a picture up on the wall, and it was a little lopsided when I walked in. I said, hey, this is kind of lopsided. Well, she's a lot shorter than me, so I just walked in and used my height advantage, got the lever right, and straightened her out. So many times, if we just let God do it from the start, we wouldn't put so many holes in the wall. You know what I'm saying? And so many of us have been trying to fix circumstances in our life, whether that's applying to college, and you're just trying to fix everything, and you're just, you're trying to fix every scenario, maybe it's with, with parenting and childhood, in child rearing, you know, you're literally like, you're just trying to fix every situation, like, do this, do this, everything perfectly, and sometimes you gotta let go a little bit, and let God do the fixing, God's going to obviously work on people's hearts, Pastor, she was talking about that last week, that yes, we need to raise our kids in God's, in, in the, in God's house, we need to raise them in church, but we can't force them to serve God, and we gotta lead them, we gotta let them be led to himself he's going to do the drawing god loves to fix our problems how many know that he fixed our sin problem when he went to the cross he fixed our problem of being separated from himself because he came and he was born and took on flesh and he dwelt among us and he went to the calvary's tree and you know he was even a carpenter he worked with his hands it's so just beautiful that he would die on a on a wooden tree and a wooden cross. And he's working right now. The Bible says, He says, I go to prepare a place for you. <laughs> so it's like Jesus is fixing a place for you right now. He's fixing a heavenly home, He's fixing an eternal place to be with Him. And ultimately, here on earth, He's also got some fixing to do. How I many you know He's got some fixing to do on your life? I know. So for me, it's like He's got a lot of fixing to do. <laughs> like, God, I hope you're still fixing some things in my life. But when we go to God, we have problems. We've got to remind Him to fix it. When we go to, the, to God, we, we respond in faith, we request without fear, and we remind him, God, it's your job to do the fixing. It's your job to build the church. I'm here to build my family. I'm here to, to serve and do whatever I can in the natural, but God, it's your supernatural obligation and responsibility as Father to take care of your church. That's why we don't, we, don't get, we don't get stressed out over finances. We don't get stressed out over personnel. We don't get stressed out over decisions we have to make. We just trust God with it. That's how we walk as Christians. We have to be separated from the world, not in, like, wearing different clothes and, 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 you know, necessarily some of the outward behavioral things that we misconstrued over the last century. We have to be different from the world in the way we respond to difficulty. It's saying, God, I'm, I'm responding in faith. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to gossip in the middle of the wait. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to just talk my ear, uh, someone else's ear off about it. I'm going to trust God with it. Reminding to fix it. In order to be a child of God, we have to understand that we have to be adopted. You know, Jesus was born into a blended family. <laughs> he was actually, did you know he was actually adopted? Uh Jesus in John chapter eight, as we're concluding this message, I just want to, you don't, you don't have to turn there or anything. You can maybe just write it down and look at it later. But in John chapter eight, Jesus is uh, talking to the Pharisees, and he's having this conversation with these, you know, religious folks, and he's saying, you know, listen, if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And they're like, free? We ain't never been slaves. We don't need to be free. Abraham is our father. And he says, well, if Abraham was your father, you would know who I am, because Abraham served God, and, you know, I come from God. And they're like, (laughs) what? He's like, you know, you would know my father, too, if you knew Abraham. And they're like, where is your father? There's a, a theological question that starts to come up in this actual passage of Scripture in John chapter 8, where the Pharisees start to question who Jesus' daddy was. They say, who's your daddy? Where's your daddy? Where's your father? Because we don't, we don't know if Joseph is actually your father. <laughs> like, they start, you know, because there was rumors, right? Jesus came to the earth or was born, right, of a virgin in a manger. It's God's plan for beginning. We serve one God in three persons. He reveals himself in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Genesis chapter 1, he says, let us make man in our own image. It's this pluralistic, pluralistic but also singular God. It's a profound trinity that we serve, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the, the Son was birthed by the Holy Spirit to a virgin Mary. This is one of the tenets of our faith. This is one of the foundational principles that we have to believe to really understand what salvation means. Without the virgin birth, we're all messed up. (laughs) If we don't physically believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, it's kind of hard to be forgiven of sin. Why is that? Because he's the only one qualified to take our sin away and be the sacrifice. Every person you've ever met seen or heard about on earth has been born of a man and a woman seed and an egg all right and they were born by two parents okay the only person in the history of mankind to not have an earthly father is jesus this miracle this outside of your knowledge and your and your physical being you have to understand this is a miracle this is a virgin giving birth to a baby and before her consummation of marriage with joseph she got pregnant, and she said, hey, an angel, you know, came, and the Holy Spirit impregnated me, and I got, you know, the, the <laughs> I got the Son of God in my stomach, you know, like in my belly, and Joseph's like, this is weird. I think we're going to get a divorce, and the angel came and said, listen, no, 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 don't divorce her. She's got the Son of God, and so he said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to marry her, and we're going to cover this up and just make sure nobody knows about it. How many of you know gossip and rumors get around, okay? So let's just, let's just kind of leaning into the scripture here, I'm pretty sure people knew Jesus didn't look exactly like his half brothers and sisters. <laughs> probably a few freckles that were off, you know, right? Probably a few things that they could kind of tell, man, Jesus looks like the black sheep of his family. He's not the same as, as all his brothers and sisters. His hair is blonde and there's all like, you know, red, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like one of those, I'm, I don't want to call anybody out, but it's just one of those, you know, one of those things where you're not fitting in completely. And they could kind of probably tell. And they said, where's your father? Who is your father? And Jesus says, Well, uh my father is in heaven, you know. He goes down in the scripture, I just want to read this for you, just a little, little space. He says, Um, he says that, you know, I and the father are one and all these things, and and literally the, the Pharisees ask him again, they say, We weren't born out of sexual immorality. They say, We weren't born uh illegitimately. And that's literally they're accusing him of this. Then they go, and they say, you know, so Jesus says, uh, well, you know what, Abraham, speaking back about Abraham, if you guys were Abraham's seed or children, then you would know who I am, and you actually would understand that Abraham saw my day. Abraham saw me coming to the earth, and he was, like, excited about it. Like, he knew. He's like, man, this is the Messiah, and this is, like, what God promised through my life, you know. And so Abraham was excited to see the day of Jesus. And they're like, bro, what are you talking about? You're crazy. The Pharisees are just their minds are blown they're like how have you seen abraham you're like 33 years old how have you seen abraham you know abraham and this is the, the most moripovic moment in history like seriously jesus goes before abraham was i am and he flips the script on him because they're trying to say where is your father we know joseph ain't your real daddy you were probably born into sin they said he had a demon But Jesus says, no, 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 (laughs) I wasn't born into sin. But you're right. Joseph's not my father. Joseph's not my daddy. He says, when he said before Abraham was, I am, he used the words I am that God used when he told Moses, I am who I am. And the, the Pharisees would know he's claiming to be God. He's claiming that God himself, the father, is his father. And Jesus was saying, You're right. (laughs) Mary's my mom, but Joseph's not my daddy. My father is God. My blood is the father's blood. My DNA is divine. I am the son of God. He was claiming in that moment, I'm God, and I come straight directly from the father. So, this rumor that you think you're trying to pin me down saying, Where's my daddy? You're right, Joseph's not. He's not the father. My father is in heaven. And I'm the only one that can take away the sins of the world. It was this mic drop moment where they almost stoned him and he slipped out. In this critical moment of saying, I am who I am. Jesus declares to us today, I'm the only one that can fix it. I'm the only one that can fix your sin problem. I'm the only one that can fix your God-shaped hole in your heart. I'm the only one that can fix the peace that you don't have in your life. He's saying, I am. Was adopted. Jesus was actually mirroring and shadow, foreshadowing for us. He was actually demonstrating the spirit of adoption. He's saying, I'm not of this world. I'm not of Joseph. I'm adopted by Joseph. In the same way Jesus was adopted in the physical sense, we're adopted in the spiritual sense. He was adopted physically by Joseph to show us listen, you've got to be born again and you've got to be adopted by Father God. And then my spirit's going to live in you and you can live as a son of God. You'll be the same. You have the same inheritance. You'll be heirs of Christ. You'll be able to walk in the anointing of Christ and you'll be able to do even greater things than Christ did on this earth. That's God's plan to draw us to himself so he could give us his Holy Spirit. So he could literally be in us, which is crazy to think about that. God would be inside of you. In your spirit, and your spirit and his spirit would 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 match up and you'd say, Abba Father. And you would have this experience of sonship. It's called the born-again experience. It's called becoming a follower of Jesus, a Christian, someone who's not just trying to do good things, right? And not do bad things. It's someone who's dead and by God's grace and by his blood, you're now alive. It's about going from, from death to life. It's about becoming a new creation. It's saying, you know what? I may have used to been this way. But Jesus fixed it, and now I'm different. Now I'm set apart. Now I'm a son of God. I'm not just a slave. I'm not just a servant in his house. I'm not just trying to work my way by worth to get to God. I'm a son by birth. Amen? When we're born again, we have a new last name. We have a new address in heaven. And some of us today, we're asking God to fix difficult things in our life right now. I'm telling you here today, he can do it. He can heal sick bodies. He can save lost souls. He can, he can redeem anything. He can redeem the time. But even sometimes if he doesn't, he'll do it in heaven. He'll heal your body in heaven. You'll have a perfect new body. He'll give you everything that you need on this earth. But even above and beyond that, he'll give you everything that you need. When we experience his glory in heaven, the sufferings of this life are nothing to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in us. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make Him known. We cry out, we cry out.